Hey there, I'm Trevor Houston, the creator of the Who You Know Summit, and I'd like to welcome you to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. On our program, we'd like to show you the job search like you've never seen. Everything from getting noticed by employers, how to properly format your resume, and how to network effectively using LinkedIn to drive recruiters to your profile. We even take suggestions from our amazing community. So if you want to learn all things job search, go ahead and subscribe now. Focus. It's all about the job search. So if you want to learn how to land that next success, you heard them. All you got to do is subscribe and ring that bell so you don't miss out on a thing. Welcome back to the Who You Know Job Networking Show, where what you know is important, but who you know, who, who you y'all know? know can make all the difference in your job search. It definitely can. Let me tell you who I know, okay? So I know this guy named Ryan Blair, and who he's the number one New York Times bestselling author, a serial entrepreneur, and former co-founder and CEO of the multi-level marketing company Visalis, which sold for over 792 million dollars uh, in 2012. His latest company, Alter Call, uh, is a movement inspiring and teaching entrepreneurs how to find their purpose and doing business in a new way, which include mind, body, and soul connection. Everybody, a warm who you know, welcome for Ryan Blair. Let's go. Ooh, Ryan. Man, welcome. Uh-oh, I think you're on mute. <laughs> oh, I am. That's, by the way, that's the best welcome ever. Thank you very much. We are super excited to have you here, Ryan. And, um, you know, we were over here shooting off our, our money money guns. And when the commercial break was going, I said, you know, Ryan's no stranger to these. He's he's uh, he's probably made a few of these. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you've, been, you've had a very, very successful journey. But one of the things that um, I was watching a video and kind of getting to know your story a little bit. Ryan, and I, I really want to dive into to how you grew up because I have a very, very similar journey um, in my childhood. And so I, I would like for you to maybe share with the audience and, and let's start there. Um, what was it like for you, you know, as a teenager growing up? It said, I heard, I heard in the, in the uh, promo video, it said you were in a gang and things like that. Can you talk to us about your story and your journey uh, growing up? Yeah, absolutely. My... You know, my early childhood uh, wasn't that bad. My dad was in the middle class and my mom was a homemaker. Uh, but both of them, you know, they had, they had self-medication challenges that turned into addiction. My dad was an engineer and, you know, and we, we did all right. We had nice presents underneath the Christmas tree. I had new clothes come school year. But when drug addiction took over my family, it disintegrated. And by the time I was 13, you know, I was faced with a father that was violent, abusive, and he had gotten so addicted to drugs that we lost our house, we lost our car, mm. we lost everything. So my middle class environment was ripped away from me. And so as a young child, I saw what looked like a very sheltered environment turn into a destructive environment, into a violent environment. And by the time I was 13, I was hanging around the wrong kids. I had lost my father. He disappeared on us. My mother was suffering from alcoholism, and so I turned to the streets, and I turned to the mentors on the streets, which were older men involved in gangs. That mm. was the only protection that I could receive. So, I, you know, I was in and out of juvenile hall. I was in and out of trouble, and I was raised by, you know, my grandmother really had a strong influence on me in my life, and she taught me to be very spiritual. She was a Christian, and so she taught me to pray, and she taught me Christian values, and I strayed from them. 
you know, as a, as a teenager. And, you know, by the time I was 17 years old, I was heading to prison. And mm. by the grace of God, I had persuaded a judge through writing him a letter. And I wrote a letter begging for leniency. I was facing four years for robbery, for armed robbery. And I was facing four years. And I wrote the judge a letter. And he told me that I should be writing in college, not in prison. And he granted me leniency under the conditions that I would, you know, get counseling and that I would never come back before him. Oh I made a gosh. decision at that point after lots of prayer. I was in solitary confinement writing this letter. So, you know, I was praying for 20 days straight that I would somehow change my situation and not have to spend, you know, the next four years or potentially the rest of my life inside prison. And the judge granted me that leniency. And that's when my faith was renewed. And I made a decision that I was going to leave the gang environment. Mm. And I was going to somehow write my way into college. Now, at that time, I was in a continuation high school. And I was terrible at school. I had terrible grades. I was never considered, you know, strong uh, intellectually or academically. And somehow, you know, I, I made the decision to write my way into college. And by the grace of God, a mentor came into my life at 17 years old. And next thing you know, I was writing my way in, into college. And, wow. and then from there, I wrote my way into being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and wow. into a millionaire and so forth. Right. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Man, so I'm going to give a mic drop. Grace upon grace upon grace. Yeah, I'm right? going to give a mic drop for, uh, for the judge. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and for grace and for the blessings of God. Um, but I want to just share with you um, my journey is very, very similar. I, I feel like you're like my brother or something. It's crazy. So when my parents split up, um, I stayed with my mom. My mom got addicted to drugs and um, was an alcoholic and was drinking. And uh, my house became like a homeless shelter um, because she was disabled. And so we had a lot of male influences coming in and out of the house. A lot of people that were, um, you know, in gangs, doing uh, a lot of criminal activities. And these were my uh, male role models. And at 13, I was in and out of juvie. And I was um, told that if I, w if I didn't move to my father's, that I was going to be in jail until I was 21. Okay. And this was as I was uh, 15 at the time. I was 15 and they told me I was going to be in jail until I was 21 if I didn't move to my father's. And because I moved to my father, my father was an entrepreneur, a business owner. He taught me how to work and save and, and, um, you know, he was a faithful man. And, and, uh, anyway, so I just, I relate so much to your story. I, I got, um, when I was with my mom, we got evicted out of the house multiple times. And there were times where I stayed with my grandmother and my grandmother raised me up and I just love my grandmother so much. Um, so anyways, I, I thought I would share that with you. There's just so many um, similarities. Um, yeah. so, so what happened after that? What happened after that? Well, my, my first mentor was a successful real estate entrepreneur. And he gave me a job as his boy Friday, which meant that I had to do everything he didn't want to do. His, his mindset was that he made, you know, millions a year. So his time was valued at $1,000 an hour. And my time was valued at that time at $6 an hour. 
And so I got to do everything that he didn't want to do. I got to clean the barnacles off of his boat. I got to sand his deck. I got to clean his, he had this beautiful bird atrium. I got to clean up the poop in the bird atrium. He had this beautiful saltwater tank. I got to clean the algae off the saltwater tank. And one of the other jobs I got to do was to evict people from his homes. He owned over 100 homes. So I was the one knocking on the door, telling them that they had to pay their rent or they had to get out. And so I, I got to see his business from the inside out. And for the first time in my life, my, even though my dad did provide early on in my life, he had a lot of, of, of emotional challenges because of the way he was raised. And he carried those forward into the way he raised me. And it was unfortunate because he was always, you know, a, a closed off individual and he was always had a very hard heart and he was a very violent person. But my mentor was not. He was a loving, charismatic, uh, beautiful soul. He would teach me at the dinner table every night. And he would just, you know, I'd ask him a thousand questions about what he did and how he did it. Because, like, to me, my dad had owned a home. So I I understood the importance of home ownership. But this man had owned a hundred homes. Wow. So I was like, like, everything that I'd been taught about the American dream of owning one home like, I didn't think you could ever one day own a hundred homes. All right. And so, you know, really being able to be mentored by a man who had done something that I didn't understand was even possible changed my life, you know, forever. How did you meet him? He later him? became my stepfather because he married my mother. So oh, no way. Oh, wow. intimate relationship Wow. With him. How did you yeah. originally meet him? How did you, like, come in connection with this guy? Yeah, he, he wanted to date my mom. Okay. And, uh, uh, <laughs> That'll I, do was, it. I was my mom's protector. Oh, okay. And so he needed permission for me to date my mom. And, you know, he was a small guy. I was a big guy. And, you know, he was small, uh, you know, very uh, charismatic. He wore bright colored ties and shirts. And you know, I was a gang member. I wore a gang uniform. And so I sized him up and I was like, this guy wants to date my mom. No problem. I, I hope somehow I get rich from this experience. And while he was very stringent when it came to giving me money, he didn't give me money. He made me earn every penny. He gave me wisdom that would later make me rich. Wow. wow. Well, hey, my graph for, for him is what, yeah, what's oh, his yeah, name? Yeah. What's his name? <clears throat> his name is Robert Hunt. He's no longer with us. He's with me spiritually. And, you know, he's uh, one of the most powerful mentors in my life. And he opened me up. Once I got to experience him and the way he operated in his wealth, I then got hungry for other mentors. And I've been blessed to be mentored by some of the greatest mentors of our time and our generation and for all generations for that matter. And so, you know, Robert Hunt was my very first. And then from there, I said, well, if this mentor taught me this much, I wonder what what happened if I got another mentor and another mentor. So. What are some of the <clears throat> the lessons that you learned or things that you took away from, you know, coming from uh, even poverty, right? Uh, from a place of low means to being around people with money. Well, they're no different than you. They just, they just have a different system. And, you know, when I would size them up, you know, because that's what we did on the streets is we sized people up, right? <laughs> I used to size up you know, other gang members to determine whether or not I was going to get killed or, you know, I was going to win in a fight or lose in a fight. 
and I'm sizing up these rich people and I'm like, they're no smarter than me. They're no better than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an attitude and a chip on my shoulder. They just have something that I don't have. There's some sort of gap that this person has that I want to fill. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably pretty annoying with these folks at first because I was like, whatever it is that you have in your head that I don't, because I could run faster than them. I could lift more weights than them. You know, I could do all kinds of things that they couldn't do, but you know, I didn't know how to buy a hundred homes. And so I had to extract the information from them that was necessary to learn how to buy a hundred homes, for example, or whatever the task was at hand. So I, you know, I, I learned that, that they weren't, they weren't that much different than us. They were maybe 1% different. So I got a question for you. You said you had an attitude and a chip on your shoulder. Okay. I, I, I had that too. All right. I had a lot of the kind of victim mentality. I, that's why I was violent. I got in a lot of fights and that's, that's what got me in the trouble and what landed me in juvie and all that was, was fighting. And, um, what, was it the same for you? Is that like you were just, was there just an anger inside of you? And, and if so, what caused it? And how did you overcome that anger and, and get rid of the victim mentality? Yeah, well, I, I was trained to be angry. Mm. I was trained to oh. be rageful. My father was very rageful mm, okay. and very violent. I've I broken my hand five times in fights. Oh, uh, wow. Can, I don't know if you could see it. There's a big thing there. I've had all <laughs> kinds of wounds on me and scars on me, I should say. No more wounds, but lots of scars. Um, and my dad taught me to punch first, and he taught me to solve everything through physical violence. That mm. was the way I was raised and trained and programmed from an early age. So, you know, when then when you take a child who's been abused and neglected and abandoned, and, you know, it's a perfect environment, a person who's highly trained in fighting and martial arts at a young age, and then, you know, sent into the world. And uh, I was picked on because that, you know, I, I was, um, you know, I, I stood out like a sore thumb. I was in a, an ethnic environment that I wasn't a part of. I was taken mm. from, you know, the middle class and thrown into poverty. And so I had to fight my way to prove myself and fight my way to protect myself nonstop. And one year I got in something like 50 fights and I would count them. And it was almost as though I was a professional fighter for a period of time. And that that was what I looked forward to. That's what I trained for. And, and, you know, and that's what they would put me into fights. They would, they would, you know, try to set up fights for me because, you know, I was, I was decent at it. And, you know, I, I lost a few and I broke some teeth and some nose and <laughs> some bones in the process, but, you know, I, I had a, a pretty strong will. So, you know, that, that was a chip that I had on my shoulder was, you know, I, I had a pretty strong sense of confidence in my physical capability and my fighting capability, but I had a very low self-esteem when it came to, you know, knowing who I was and, mm. and, and really understanding the value that I could potentially bring to the world. I, I saw myself as, you know, a poor kid that was abandoned and neglected. How did I shift from a, you know, victim Mentality. Yeah, yeah, that right you there, know, that right there, because you said you saw yourself as a poor kid who was neglected and abandoned. Like, that's the way you viewed yourself. How did you overcome that victim mentality? Well, I, at first it was I was just going to prove to everyone in the world that I was not that. Like, so at first I had this massive desire to prove first my father wrong, then every principal that had expelled me, every teacher that had... Um, you know, uh, I said I was, you know, I was inferior or, or, you know, said I couldn't amount to anything. Then, you know, every police officer that ever, you know, had some terrible words to share with me, like I, I wanted to prove the world wrong. And, and then every time I showed up to a meeting and, you know, somebody would judge me or, 
criticize me. You know, I, I didn't, I was triggered on the inside. On the outside, I would just smile, but on the inside, I would say, you know, great, I have a new person to prove wrong. So that was the first journey of, of several years. And that competitiveness in me led me to, yeah. you know, to really push myself. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can relate to that too. Cause I started, once I started, I found something I was good at. I started winning and I got super, you know, how competitive I am. Like I'm so competitive. Like I just wanted to prove I, that I had some kind of self-worth, you know, I'm like, I got to prove it, you know? And I, and it's like, I got to get the trophy. Like I'm all about the trophy. Then I've, uh, I've learned oh, that he is. right. You know, <laughs> oh, like my is. office is just full of trophies and I'm like, I got to win. Like, so well, I love that. My, my question, Ryan is <clears throat> you said that you had grown up and you know had some faith exposure right in a christian home um your grandmother right yeah. so i imagine that that had a pretty big role in you know kind of bringing you back right to from from maybe some of those i don't know if you call them depths but you know some of those tribulations um when did you realize and kind of come back to that, right? Get back to your faith um, and, and realize that there were people out there that were praying for you, right? That there were people that cared about you and, and you turned that corner. You know, I, I have to tell you that I've had some divine interventions in my life and I just didn't understand it. You know, I, I have prayed many a times in my youth, like, I prayed for the judge to give me leniency. I, you know, prayed to get out of situations. I prayed to not get caught. I, you know, I, I prayed my way to, you know, out of trouble. And then I prayed my way into success every step of the way. But I still didn't really understand it. My consciousness level didn't really get that, you know, that, that, that God was by my side. I, I think I would pray. I would get the prayer answered. And then I would believe the lies that were told, or I would believe that maybe this is just coincidence or, or believe that this was me doing all this stuff. And, you know, I failed to realize the grace and the presence of our creator in, in, in my life. Mm. Um, I, I became very present Amen. to that when my mother passed away. And that's, you know, that's literally when my life changed. And that was four years ago when I looked back at my life and did a life review and I saw all the prayers that had been answered and I saw the grace that, you know, God had given me in my life. And, and that was four years ago, uh, pretty much to the date that my life changed, you know, completely. Hmm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's that's just, you know, such a, a journey for somebody to go through and it's trial by fire, right? Yeah. Um, refined by the fire. And so, but to be able to understand and acknowledge that and appreciate it, what a blessing. 100%. Um, can you talk to us about your book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain? I say that to my audience all the time. That's a phrase that uh, comes out of my mouth at least once a week. <laughs> what do you got to lose? <laughs> I, yeah, I tell them, you got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Because um, I'm trying to get these job seekers back to work. And, and uh, so can you talk to us about the book, where that came from, and, and uh, what it's about? Uh, yeah, so Nothing to Lose was a book that was inspired by uh, an interview that I did on Donnie Deutsch. And, you know, when I went back and watched the interview a number of times, I kept telling him I had nothing to lose. And so that's, that's the, the title of the book. And that was the mindset that I utilized to build the companies that I built and, and to really, you know, to 
to have the mindset that I didn't care about what other people were doing. I didn't care about what the competition was doing because I had literally nothing to lose. Mm. Was that book, did you write that prior to uh, your success um, with uh, by Salas? Am I yes. saying that right? I, well, I wrote that book in 2010. So Vaisalas had yet to be extremely successful, uh, but it was getting more successful. And, uh, you know, it was actually going through a difficult time. And then, you know, during the recession, I wrote it and it got published in 2011. And it just so happened that Vaisalas would take off right as it was published. Wow. Hey, I'm noticing uh, for the producer in the back, I'm noticing the cameras kind of washing out a little bit. Yeah, let me let me try to make an adjustment here. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. No worries. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's the, the light. Sun. That's yeah, what it is. Sun. The sun coming in. He's got all those. Sun came in. He's got oh, all those baller windows coming in <laughs> though, with right. the sunlight. Yeah. Are, are you <laughs> is that a little better? That's yeah. Awesome. Now, where where are you at right now? Are you out I'm west? I'm in my living room, and the sun just. You know, the light, I said, let there be light. Yeah. The sun just shines right on me. There you yeah, go. There we there go. go. Boom. Is that better? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So much better. <laughs> so I, I know it was so, it was funny. It was like slowly just kind of like consuming you. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the angels in the house. You get to see another piece piece of my living room here. As you can see, I've got a dinosaur skull in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me awesome. about that, actually, because I was, uh, I saw that and I was like, that is the coolest thing. He's got a T-Rex skull back there. What, what's up yeah, with the T-Rex skull? That's actually an Elasasaurus. So, ah. um, you know, that's the inspiration for the the uh, the Velociraptor in the the movie Dr Jurassic Park. So that's an Elasasaurus skull. Is that is that real? Yeah, that's, that's a real skull. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it, the artist actually encased it in bronze, um, but you know there's a real skull underneath that bronze. No there. way. That's super wow. cool. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Vasellus, like you're growing the business, right? And you're making you know, strides in scaling it. Um, was it always your intent to sell the business? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I see that glare again. Do you need me to change the angle? <laughs> yeah, one it's, time? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be good. Me, hey, see, and I love this, guys. For all y'all watching, this is live stream, okay? This is the beauty of live stream, okay? You know, things happen and it's all good. I love it. It actually makes the show more interesting, makes it so much more fun. Like, <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I the thrill of live performing. But let's see here. Is that better? We still got a ton of glare here. Alright, now you get to see the other part of my living room. Hey, there you go. <laughs> hey, we Love got the it. wreath back. We got the wreath back. Hold on here. We have a beautiful I'm home. Really this I'm is really like MTV Cribs. Yeah, this is like yeah, right. MTV Cribs. So you sold the company. You, you, you had intent was to sell, right? To build the company, at some point sell it. You sold it for not only one of these, but you sold it for seven million of these, right? Seven hundred and sixty-two million. That's that's seven million of these. You're trying to do math, bro. I don't know. Right? Seven million one hundred dollar <laughs> bills. A lot of these. That's a lot. I never actually thought of it that way. Uh, you know, uh, I I have definitely uh, generate a lot of, of of revenue and a lot of return to my investors and so forth. That's for sure. What was one of the challenges of, you know, as an entrepreneur? scaling it right because I, I hear a lot of times where you know people they'll they'll hit a kind of a plateau right you get you when you're building a business you get to a certain point and then you face some challenges and then in order to overcome that plateau you have to innovate and you know 
reinvigorate what you're doing. Um, did you run into that? Did you experience that? You, you run into challenges every single day as an entrepreneur. You know, entrepreneur is just simply a problem solver. You're solving a problem in the marketplace, and that's the idea of, you know, the business is there to solve a problem. And then in order to effectively solve that problem, you have to solve a ton of problems on the inside of your walls each mm. and every single day. And the better that you get at problem solving and the better that you hire, uh, you know, quality team members that help you solve those problems as well, the more that you can expand and scale the business. But it's basically one problem after another to build a business, right? And you just have to get good at, at looking at the negative and turning it into positive and then learning from the negative as a result. So there's all kinds of challenges yeah, to scaling. I've had tremendous challenges of scaling. And, and in, in the current business that I'm running now at AlterCall, you know, it's a startup. And so it's, you know, two years old with a small team of about 14 people. And every single day, we just have to solve problems. The more that we do that, the, the more, the better the chances that we scale it. Yeah, Boom. man. Boom. Mic drop on that. Number one, that is super applicable applicable to our audience, which is primarily job seekers, right? Because yeah. they are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. They're, they're running a business, the, uh, the business of search. And number two, right. When you look at, and you're going back to where you've come from and you look at, okay, so how am I going to overcome these challenges? You've got to innovate and you've got to be that entrepreneur. You have to have that entrepreneur mindset. So, yeah. um, Man, I love it. That that speaks directly to our Well, audience. we've had a bunch of mic drop moments, and we got some stuff to give away. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go to the audience real quick before we go to a commercial break. I'm going to go to the audience and see who we got with us today. I see Jim Bollard. Actually, Jim, I want to tell you something. I'm super grateful for you. I got some new analytics on the back end of my show, and I've uh, you are our top, uh, top engager. Uh, top engager and top, um, like you show up every every episode. I love you. Ooh. You're amazing. So we'll uh, money shout out to that. you. And uh, I'm gonna give you right now. We're gonna give you a signed copy uh, of uh, Ryan's uh, book. Um, I think we were gonna give away Rock Bottom to Rock Star. We'll talk more about that in a second. So Jim Baller, shout out to you. Cat O'Toole, Chandra Thomas, and David Mundy. I'm also gonna give you a copy, uh, a signed copy of that book as well. Guys, we gotta go to a real quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Trevor Houston here, and I wanna thank you for tuning in to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. We hope you've been inspired, encouraged, educated, and entertained all at the same time. For information on our different events, workshops, partners, or partnership opportunities available, check out whoyouknow.show for more details. And be on the lookout for our new mobile app coming soon. You never know how this show can help someone you know. You know? And if we've made an impact or put a smile on your face today, don't forget to hit that share button on your way out. Until next week, it's all about who you know. Bye!